Let's look at God's word this morning, 2 Timothy chapter 3, beginning at verse 14. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it and how from a child you have been acquainted with the sacred writings which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. For five weeks, I want to talk about the Word of God. This morning, I just want to remind us that we have a God who has spoken, who speaks through his word. And then in following weeks, I'm going to talk about desiring God's word, receiving God's word, obeying God's word, and then the consequence of abandoning God's word. And my purpose in talking about God's word is to get you to read the Bible more, to study the Bible more, to memorize it, to meditate on it, to listen to it, to do everything you can to hear God speak to you. Because if you will hear God speak, it'll be through the Word of God. We know that Paul is writing here to a young pastor who is uh, serving in a church and in times that probably weren't unlike ours in some ways. There were many religious claims. There were many philosophies floating around first century Ephesus. There were many cultural myths that people believed, fables that had been passed down. There were truth claims running around the city of Ephesus, and Paul writes to Timothy to remind him that the way that you sort through all of the claims to truth that exist in your world is to know and believe in the sufficiency and the authority of God's word. God has spoken. And we evaluate every other voice, we evaluate every other claim to truth by the word of God because God has spoken. Christians have always been known as a people of the book. I hope you would be known as that, a person of the book, one who lives in dependence upon the Word of God, who studies the Bible, who makes the Word of God central in his life. I hope you notice at Grace Church that though we do a lot of things when we come together to worship, the Word of God is always central. We want to hear from God because our God is unlike any other false God. Our God, the triune God, is a talking God. He actually speaks. The writer of Hebrews put it this way. He said, long ago, at many times and in many ways, 
God spoke to our fathers by the prophets, but in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son. Our God is a talking God. He gives promises. He keeps promises. We are a people who believe those promises, who depend upon the word of God. We know that even before uh, the world was created, God was speaking. And it's in speaking that he brings the world into being. God spoke and it was. Adam, when he was created, before he, even before he fell into sin, certainly after we sin, we need the word of God. But even before Adam sinned, he needed God's word. God spoke to him to give him direction in life, to show him what his role would be in, in, in the world. We are dependent upon the word of God. Jesus put it this way. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds, that comes from the mouth of God. We depend upon the word of God. So this morning I want to talk from our text about why we need the Word of God, what the Word of God offers us in life. The first reason is this, we need God's Word because it is God's voice. It is God's way of speaking to you and to me. Our text says that all scripture is breathed out by God. That's actually one Greek word, one unique Greek word only used here in the Bible. But it's a good translation. It's simply saying when, when they look at the scriptures that they had in the first century that were already in existence, the 39 books of the Old Testament, 22 in Hebrew, but 39 in our English Bible, the, the same content. Paul could say to Timothy, that scripture you have is breathed out by God. Now, it's not talking about the process so much of how God gave it, but the quality that is inherent in Scripture. It is the very breath of God. It's as if God himself had spoken every word. Now, we know that God did not speak every word, but every word is the word of God. Because when men spoke for God, as Peter tells us, they were superintended by the Holy Spirit. Or as David said, the Spirit of the Lord spake by me, and his word was in my tongue. The unique character of Scripture, both the 39 books of the Old Testament, which Jesus affirmed, was the word of God. And, you know, people often ask, you know, what is your apologetic for, for believing the Bible is God's word? Why do you believe the Bible, obey the Bible, live by the Bible? And I say my simple apologetic is 
Jesus believed the Old Testament scripture was God's word. And he rose from the dead. I don't believe the Quran. I don't believe Mohammed, as someone asked me the other day, you know, why do you believe the word of God? And I simply said, because Jesus believed it and he rose from the dead. And if somebody rises from the dead, I'm gonna believe them. And I don't believe Mohammed because he's dead. Whatever he said does not matter. He died. He didn't rise again, but Jesus did. And then Jesus told his disciples that he would guide them into all truth. And those 27 books that we have of the New Testament, written by apostles and apostolic uh, associates, uh, are the word of God. Jesus gave his spirit to the disciples who guided them into truth, and they wrote what God wanted them to write. As I said, God did not speak every word, but every word in its quality is the word of God. I mean, when we read Luke and when we read John, we understand that Luke writes differently than John. His vocabulary is is different than John. His style of writing is different than John. He records some things that John doesn't record. But every word of Luke is God's word in its final quality. And every word of John, even though God allowed them to use their minds, their vocabularies, their personalities, their writing style, our text is telling us that the final quality of Scripture, the 66 books of the Bible, is breathed out by God. It's the Word of God. Now, if you want to hear God speak, He's given His Word. He's had it recorded in 66 books. He's had it miraculously preserved over thousands of years. You know, people want a dream. You know, if God would just give me some special revelation, some special direction for my life, that would, that, that, that would make me happy. And God is saying, I have spoken in my son. Listen to him. You know, even in the old covenant and before the scriptures were completed, there were times when God communicated his will in dreams to people. But it was only to a few people. It was never to everyone. And when, when Jeremiah had a dream or Ezekiel had a dream, what I know about that dream is what they put into words to describe that dream. God didn't give me Ezekiel's dream. God gave me his words to describe, tell me what Ezekiel's dream is. God communicates, even in the Old Testament, when he was using dreams, to the average person to understand the dream that he gave to a prophet, they only had the word of God. If you want to hear God speak, 
read the Bible, listen to the Bible, memorize the Bible. And I know I hear people argue all the time, but, but, but you know, I'm, I don't have time. And I like to say to them, and perhaps you've heard me say this to you, if tomorrow morning at 5.30, you knew that God was going to be sitting in your kitchen waiting to talk to you, would you get up a half hour early and meet him there and listen to what he has to say? Because God wants to speak to you. But he speaks to you through the word that he has given. Everything he wants you to know absolutely for your life is in the word of God. You say, well, what about all the other decisions that I need to make? Make them based upon what you know God has already said. Ask him for wisdom. You know, if God hasn't told you to buy a Chevy, then ask God for wisdom, whether it's a Chevy or Ford. It'll probably be a Chevy. <laughs> or a Hyundai. But what God absolutely wants you to know, what you absolutely need for life, is in the Word of God. And when you base your decisions, other decisions in life on what God has already said, then you will, by God's grace, make wise decisions. God has spoken. Every word of the Bible is breathed out by God. But it's not only God's authoritative voice. It is the means by which God has chosen to bring about transformation in your life and mine. It is the means of spiritual growth. It is the primary means of spiritual growth. We have you know, what we call means of grace, things that God uses in our life to point us to the sufficiency of Christ. We have the Lord's table, we have prayer, we have worship. But the primary means of spiritual growth is the Word of God, the 66 books of the Bible. We need the Bible because it produces, it develops genuine spirituality. Look at how our text describes it. It says the Word of God is profitable, it's beneficial, it's useful, it's valuable. It's profitable for, for teaching. The, the, the simple word for doctrine, for instruction, for, for teaching. It's, it's, it's answering the question, where do I find truth? How do I know about uh, the world, the origin of the world? How do I know about my purpose in life? How do I know about about who I am, where do I find teaching that will inform my life and that I can build my life on? And let me tell you more and more, you need to know the Word of God. Where do you learn of the origin of the world? Was it created by God or is it the result of evolution? Is it because of 
time and chance that everything came into being. How do you answer that question? You know, science for years has, you know, said it's evolution. And Christians keep saying it's the Bible. And many Christians, when science made their claim, tried to find a way to fit the Bible to meet the claims of science. But even now, more and more scientists have their doubts about the pervasive claims of evolution. We have the word of God. No scientific find will ever contradict what the Bible clearly teaches, that God created all things out of nothing. He is the creator. What do you learn about gender? This is an issue in our world today. Do I choose my own gender? How do I know if I am a male or female or uh, whatever? We learn it from the Bible. We know God created male or female, so I must be one or, or the other by creation. Where do I learn about marriage? Is marriage a covenant relationship between a man and a woman for life? Or can I marry an unbeliever if I'm a Christian? Can I marry someone of the same sex? Or as some would argue, could I marry an animal? Who says what marriage is? Are human beings the crown of God's creation? Are they the rulers over his creation? Or do plants, animals, and humans have equal value? Well, how do you answer that question? How do you argue with people who say, well, all of life is equal, you know? How can you step on an ant? It's a living being. How can you eat an animal? Is man the crown of God's creation? A ruler, a sub-region over all of creation. How do we know that? Am I free to live my life for whatever reason I want to? Am I free to choose my own uh, way of happiness? Or am I created to know God, to love God, to obey God? What is the primary goal in life? Is happiness and comfort my primary goal? Or is the glory of God in all things our primary goal in life? And I could go on and on, but my point is without the teaching of the Word of God, you have unlimited answers to all of these questions. But with the Word of God, you only have God's answer. The Bible is profitable for teaching. And if you will profit from that teaching, then you must more and more, in light of the 
changing world and changing culture, you must more and more become a student of the Word of God. This is what the Bible says. Secondly, it says it's profitable for reproof. That it has such inherent power to convince you of where you are wrong in life. That if you will read the Bible, it'll be as James says, and we'll look at that text, it'll be a mirror that will reflect back to you what God sees in your life. As someone said, the, 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 the Bible is the only book into which a man can look and see himself as God sees him. You can read all the psychology, all of the positive thinking, all of the self-esteem books you want that can tell you how wonderful of a person you are. But if you really want to know who you are, you must read the Bible and let God show you who you are in comparison to who he is. And then you will see that all of us fall short of the glory of God and we need a savior. We only know our lives are wrong when our lives are examined by the words of a holy God. Jesus promised that when his spirit came, he would convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. And according to 1 Corinthians 2, the, the primary way that the Spirit of God speaks to us, brings conviction to us, is with the Word of God. We can never have a life that is pleasing to God unless we're allowing the Word of God to show us where I am wrong. Thirdly, he says, true spirituality, transformation is brought about because the Bible is a means of restoration. He says it is good for correction. It can not only show you where you're wrong, but the Word of God has power to restore you, to reform you, to set you upright again. It's a word that's used throughout scripture of rebuilding something. Uh, uh, Acts uses the word in Acts chapter 15, I will rebuild the tabernacle of David that was fallen. Hebrews 12 uses it when we're told that we're to strengthen the hands that are weak. Sin is debilitating, sin is destructive, sin ruins. And the Word of God shows us how sin destroys our lives. But the Word of God is also beneficial to heal, to restore, to put that life back together. It restores the soul, as Psalm 19 says, because the Word of God always points us to the sufficiency of the work of Jesus Christ so that we can be restored. 
Early on in Grace Church, all of the uh, elders read a book on poverty that was sort of explaining some of the root causes of, of, of poverty. And in that book, the, the author said that, that, that poverty is rooted in four broken relationships. He says it's rooted in a broken relationship with God. It's rooted in a broken relationship with people, with family. It's rooted in a broken relationship with the material world and abuse of stewardship. And it's rooted in a relationship with yourself, with how you think about who you are. Now, I mention that not because I want to talk about poverty, but because I think those four things are the root of a lot of our problems in life, that we need broken relationships to be restored. And the Bible does that. It shows me how to have a relationship with God. It shows me how to rebuild relationships with people. It shows me how to be a steward of the world that God has put me in, a steward of the material things that he puts in my hand. And it shows me how to think about myself, how to find my identity in Jesus Christ. The Bible has power to restore you. But it not only has power to teach us and to convict us and to restore us, but to produce a discipline in our lives so that we don't need to keep repeating the same failures, the same sin over and over again. It not only shows us what our sin is, it not only shows us how to be restored, but it shows us how to stay restored, how to walk in a disciplined way. It's good, he says, for training in righteousness. This is the word that is used very often in the book of Hebrews, and it's translated normally as discipline. Don't make light of the Lord's discipline. If you do not undergo discipline, then you are illegitimate children, that God brings discipline into our life through the word of God so that we don't keep repeating those things that destroy our lives. The Word of God trains us. It brings about transformation. It is profitable. That's why God wants to meet you in your kitchen or your living room every morning. That's why he wants you sitting in a Bible-preaching church hearing the Word of God. That's why he wants you to go take a course at a Bible college or a seminary so you can get a little bit deeper understanding of the Word of God. That's why we read books about the Bible written by authors who respect the Bible so we can understand God's Word more. Why do we need the Bible? He goes on to say in verse 17, because it is through the Bible that our life is brought to wholeness, to completion. Of course, he's talking to a young pastor, Timothy, and he says that 
the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. But, you know, what he says of pastors, he expects of everyone. Later, he will tell Timothy, you be an example to all believers. You be a student of God's word. You live out God's word. You model loving the authority and sufficiency of scripture because this is for everybody. It not only makes the man of God complete, it makes all of us complete. It is God's means to bring us into the likeness of Jesus Christ because this is his goal for our life, that we be complete literally in every part, that every area of my, my life, every weakness, every strength, every thought, every word, every desire, every passion, every goal, everything I read, everything I look at, all of my relationships, my stewardship, that everything is completed by the word of God. It is informed by the word of God so that we can be equipped for every good work. Or as he says later in sec or earlier in 2 Timothy, that we can be vessels that are fit for the master's use. That God's putting our lives back together, and that's the word that he uses here, a word that's sometimes used to talk about mending fish nets that had been broken, that were useless because they had holes in them. But you mend the net so that it's useful again. It's the same word that Paul uses in 1 Timothy chapter uh, 4, where he tells, says that pastors equip the saints. That is, they help put their lives back together so that they are useful for the ministry. The Word of God makes us fit to be used of God. And that is God's goal for every single one of us. But finally, let me step back to verse 14 in closing. Verse 14, it says, but as for you, Timothy, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. The fourth reason is it is only the word of God that'll point you to that full and final salvation that is in Jesus Christ. How can you know that the only savior from sin is Jesus? How would you know that apart from the word of God? How can you know that the death of Jesus Christ was a death for your sin? and that his resurrection is a guarantee of new life for you. How can you know that apart from the word of God? How can you know that salvation is by faith alone in Jesus Christ? 
How would you know that apart from opening the Word of God? How can we grow in our understanding of all that God has done for us in Jesus Christ apart from the Word of God? How can we experience the power that makes us wise about the salvation that is in Jesus Christ only by the Word of God? And most importantly, how can you be saved from your sin and know for sure that you have eternal life? By believing the Word of God. I want you to read and study God's Word daily because God wants to speak to you. Memorize it and meditate on it so that you have with you in your mind all the time the voice of God that can speak to you. Participate in as many good Bible studies as you can. You cannot study the Bible too much. Read books. Read every book you can that'll make you more knowledgeable about what does God say in his word. And evaluate all of life by this one question. What does the Bible say about that? Make it your life purpose to become a master of listening to God's word. Let's pray together, shall we? Father, we marvel at your providence in giving your word, first in creating us in your image so that we have capacity to hear you speak. Thank you for that privilege. And then thank you for your providence in giving and preserving your word so that every day we can hear you speak by your word through your spirit to our hearts. God, help us to not just bear the name of people of the book but help us to truly be a people who love and cherish the Word of God. I pray in Christ's name. Amen.